When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey White Sox fans, it's Crystal O'Keefe with episode 12 of Visiting Dugout, brought to you by the Southside Sox, a part of Fans First Sports Network. Today on the show, I have Kevin O'Brien. He's a Royals reporter for Sabre and a fantasy baseball contributor for Pitcher List. Uh, he's here to talk about the team he knows best, the Royals. So Kevin, please introduce yourself. Hi, thanks, Crystal. Uh, my name's Kevin, and again, I run the RoyalsReporter.com at RoyalsReporter.com, I guess. And I'm also on Twitter at Royal Report Kev. Um, so I've been running that blog since about 2019, and I also write for Pitcher List for the Going Deep section, um, kind of with a focus with deep analysis on players and trends, as well as for the weekly batter's box column. So I'm just happy to be here and happy to talk uh, Royals baseball, even though it's kind of hard to do so with only eight wins this year. Hey, I... I feel yeah. <laughs> nice to also have a fellow pitcher list person. You are the second from that site to come join me. That's awesome. always fun. All right, so let's let's get into the ugly. <laughs> so the so the Royals are sitting just below the White Sox in the AL Central. You guys at the time of recording are eight and twenty-four. You're two games back from the White Sox at you know ten games back from five hundred. So. What on earth is going on in Kansas City? Uh, I think what we're seeing is um, we're seeing finally a pure rebuild. Uh, you know, I think under the last few years under Dayton Moore, you know, the Royals as a small market team, you know, they're not going to be overspending, you know, to compete with like the Cardinals or the, the Cubs or the Yankees of the world. You know, so they really so under former uh, executive Dayton Moore, the, the whole process was kind of building through the draft, building through the farm system building through player development. But, you know, since 2018, that just hadn't worked. And a new owner took over prior to the 2020 season um, and kind of decided that, you know, it, it was time for a change. Um, it wasn't a huge change with them going with a new, with, with promoting their kind of assistant vi executive vice president, but it was still a change nonetheless. Um, you know, a new manager, Matt Quattuaro, who was a lot different than previous manager, Mike Matheny and Ned Yost, who were more old school. Um, a lot more analytics kind of focus in Kansas City, but it's a young roster and it's a young roster that's kind of been taking their lumps, especially on the hitting end and the pitching end. They're trying to uh, kind of salvage anything they can, and it hasn't been totally successful. Um, you know, they have some reclamation projects in the bullpen with the world is Chapman, as well as, um, you know, Josh Taylor from the Red Sox and from and Amir Garrett, formerly of the Reds and, you know, it just hasn't been a cohesive group and a cohesive start, though there are some positive signs from this last Orioles series, even though they lost two out of three. Yeah, you guys did actually play pretty well against the Orioles, who have been, like, strangely really hot so far this season. So you mentioned your prospects. Um, I was kind of looking up a little of them earlier, and it looked like Caden Wallace looked pretty good. But do you have some more hope in these prospects that will be coming through? Uh, especially, like, you know, during a kind of rebuild time period? Yeah, I think one of the things that was one of the, the 
thing that kind of got uh, was the final straw for kind of Dayton Moore was kind of the struggles in pitching developments uh, throughout the system last year, especially at Double A. Kind of heralded prospects like Alec Marsh, um, Anthony Veneziano, who are kind of top ten, top twenty kind of prospects in the Royal system, depending on what you looked at, whether baseball America or pipeline or whatever, um, they really have rough years. And, you know, we've seen um, a lot of positive gains in the lower levels this year. Uh, Frank Mazzucato, who is a 2021 number eight overall pick um, has gone off to a great start. Um, you were seeing some really great, some great production in Columbia, the low A team um, with both their pitchers as well as their hitters. Um, Daniel Vasquez, who was a highly her- heralded international signing shortstop has, um, got off to a really strong start um, this year as um, Eric Pena, who is a, a highly uh, sought after international signing, has kind of struggled, but he's still shown immense power. And then we talked about Caden Wallace in, uh, you know, high, I believe he's in a high Quad cities and mm-hmm. he's doing really well. And we, and, you know, Gavin Cross, who was kind of the consensus number one pick has gotten off to a slow start, but he's starting to kind of turn it around. And so I think when you look at like double A um, or to high A to low A, there's a lot of good stories. Omaha's, kind of a mixed bag the pitching mm-hmm. is not doing well there but you're seeing a lot better pitching in the double a to to low a which was something we weren't seeing a year ago um, so i think there's some good depth i don't know if there's any high-end talent i don't think there's any but i, don't, I might think there's not much top 100 guys maybe other than Caden wallace and gavin cross if he can turn it around but i think they're in good shape and i think if they make some trades they can kind of restock the system pretty soon yeah that's good so I know you and I are probably more bleak with this question, but where where do you see the Royals kind of sitting mid-season, but then again at the end of the season, say like September? You know, I, I, I think there's – I always tend to be more of an optimistic Royals fan, and, and, you know, I kind of was optimistic about this group winning somewhere around the, you know, 72 to 75 wins. Um, you know, I think I've kind of, you know, like – been a little bit more realistic now i would say you know 60 wins honestly would be kind of an accomplishment but i don't think that's a bad thing you know i wrote a post for the royalsreporter.com last last night and, you know and one of the things i think you look at rebuilds with the orioles and the astros is you know they kind of tanked in getting those top three picks and when you have opportunities to get multiple top three picks you're going to hit because those are elite prospects. You're going to get Adley Rushman's or you're going to get Carlos Correa's or you're going to get Alex Bregman's. That's a lot harder to do when you have it like the five, six, seven pick. I mean, not saying that you can't find talent there, but there's a, I think there's a big gap between like those, a number eight pick and a number one pick. And I think the Royals really need to do that. I think the, the front office is willing to do that. I think the owner is willing to foster that. He wants to build this team like the Rays, the Guardians. He was a minority owner with the Cleveland Guardians prior. And so I think he wants to build it that way. Um, I just don't know if Royals fans will have the patience because, you know, Kansas City, it's like, hey, you got the Chiefs. This team won in 2015. You know, they want to win. And, and you know, so it, it'll be interesting to see if Royals fans will be patient through this process. Yeah, I was down at the Slugger Museum in 2015, the year they won, because they always update with the current world champion and they have like this little nice corner of just all the <clears throat> displays and bats. <clears throat> Excuse me. Yeah, sorry. That was fun to see. Yeah. No, it's <laughs> there's a lot of great 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 things to see for sure and but it's it'll be interesting. I think this franchise is definitely at a crossroads, so. Yeah. So, after, you know, this first kind of month we're in May now. Do you have an MVP candidate for the Royals for your first month? Like who do you feel like is doing the best right now i mean that's that's a tough one i think because it i think it depends on the week you know if you would have asked me two weeks ago i would have said eh, probably maybe bobby wood jr and then you know he goes on a slump and um 
you know, and then, you know, you could also, but I would say probably right now, without a doubt, probably Vinny Pasquantino, um, you know, Vinny Pasquantino has done everything that we kind of saw in, in his half rookie year last year. He, he, he doesn't strike out a lot. He walks a lot. He makes contact. He hits for power. Um, you know, he gets on base, he drives and runs, he kind of does it all. And, mm-hmm. and we've kind of been really surprising. And he's been like a huge leader in this clubhouse. Um, you know, I, I was able to go like to like a, a Royals rally in the preseason and, you know, he's got such an infectious personality and, and energy and he's just a really likable player, but you could just tell that he, even though he's only around 24, 25 years old, um, other than Salvador Perez, he has like command of that clubhouse. And I think that's, um, and I think that's a really key thing. I think it's going to be a priority for the Royals to sign him to a long-term extension at some point um, because I think he's a really special player who could be to Kansas City what like Joey Votto is to Cincinnati. Yeah, of course. Um, so I saw, you know, just just yesterday, Kyle Isbell, he's been at, he's had a slow start. Then he started trending a little higher, and then boom, he's on the injury list. How bad is that injury, you know, for this team right now? You know, I think it's tough because I, one thing we're seeing a lot with the Royals, whether it's on a pitching or a hitting end, is the depth is kind of questionable, um, you know, especially from what's on their current roster. Um, you know, at the beginning of the year, it seemed like center field was going to be an, an area of depth um, with not just Kyle Isbell, but Drew Waters, who came over from Atlanta um, in a trade and really turned it around, you know, after kind of getting blocked by Michael Harris in Atlanta, he came to Kansas city and looked like a completely different prospect. Um, but, you know, he hurt his oblique in spring training, you know, he's in extended spring training currently. And, you know, Kyle Isbell's got the slow start, starts to turn around and of course has an injury. And right now they're kind of stuck with Jackie Bradley jr. Who's um, looks, looks a lot different from what his Boston days, at least on the offensive end. And Nate Eaton just got cold up again. And Nate Eaton's a fantastic fun player to watch. But he's not hitting, and he I think he's, he has a 40-046 average OBP. I think he's only got on base a couple times. You know, he's a great utility player, but, you know, he hasn't really shown it with the, the bat. So, But, you know, he was doing a little bit better in Omaha. So um, I'm, we're hoping that, you know, he can come in, fill in for, for Kyle in center field so they don't have to rely too much on Jackie Bradley Jr. Um, during this stretch of time. That's good. So – you have got some big retirements that have been recently announced. I know Matt Harvey is more a Met than anything, but yeah. he he was there for a year with you guys. But then kind of more importantly, Lorenzo Kane, who was there for 13 seasons, and you guys are doing something incredibly nice for him uh, for that retirement. So how, how are fans feeling about, you know, especially Lorenzo Kane? Because I know he was kind of like the heart and soul of that team for a long time. I think we're excited. I mean, it's, um, you know, I'm going to be going to that game and, you know, the Royals really haven't sold out a lot of games, you know, this year beyond opening day. So, but apparently it sounds like this is going to be a sellout and, and for good reason, you know, I think Lorenzo Cain, I mean, obviously what he did during that, that run and, um, but you know, for him to be like, Hey, like still like, Hey, I want to retire as a Royal. And he, he had very good years with the Brewers. It wasn't like, you know, all his years there were, were rough. You know, he had his first couple of years in Milwaukee were great. And, I have friends who are Brewers fans and like him, but, you know, I think that just kind of shows you like how starved this team is for a winner. It's just like, you know, I mean, unfortunately it's like, that's what we're hanging our hat on is kind of this 2015, 2014 teams. And, you know, we had Ned Yost, you know, um, you know, he got elected into the Royals hall of fame and that's going to be a big deal. Um, So I think it's for a team that's really 
wins has won eight games and is going through a really tough rebuild. Obviously, Lorenzo came brings a breath of fresh fresh air and and them being able to do that and and especially you know it was kind of tough with Alex Gordon not really getting that retirement because he retired in 2020 during mm-hmm. COVID and um, so I think that Kane will kind of get a proper send off you know without all those restrictions is going to be a really cool thing. That's good. All right, we're going to take just a really quick break to pay some bills, and then we will be back to break down this series. And we are back. I am here to talk about the Royals with Kevin. So, how this upcoming series, the White Sox finally broke their losing streak and finally won their first series in May. But the Royals, you know, are are dealing with some of the same struggles. So, how do you feel going into this series with a team that are they're pretty evenly matched at this point? You know, I'm, I really am interested in this series. Um, you know, I, I do have a, a some tickets to at least one of the games, and you know, I, I think this series is interesting for a whole bunch of reasons. You have some, for, you know, you have a former bench coach for the Royals, manager for the White mm-hmm. Sox, as well as a former hitting coach who was really credited for turning around Salvador Perez and Jorge Soler when they were um, in Kansas City. Um, I know there was a lot of people who thought Grafal should have been the manager um, for the Royals instead of Quattraro. Uh, but you know it's it's gone both it's gone bad for both so you can't really say you know like you can't really say one's been doing better than the other so um yeah i I think it's really tough because i think it's you know you've had the white Sox who kind of went through a mini rebuild have kind of built a lot through this talent and you know it's it's you know a lot of it's been injuries and i think that's what's hard with the white Sox. at least you can kind of hang your hat as like they've had a lot of bad injury luck um you know whether it just seems you know as soon as Juan Moncada is going to turn it around, something happens, or or just any guy on the White Sox, something happens, and you know you can't really say that with the Royals, but um, you know it also does seem like the Royals White Sox. It's it always feels very even, and there's always kind of an edge to that series. I you know as much as I as a Royals fan, I'd rather not have Tim Anderson on the lineup. It is going to be <laughs> it is going to be more fun to see Tim Anderson play and make it a more competitive series than Tim Anderson hurt. So. Um, so, you know, I'm excited for that. And, and you know, and I see him. And also, you know, I'm a big Aloy Jimenez fan, too. And uh, he was a guy that I thought would do well under Grafal. And now that he seems like he's healthy, he's kind of turning around again. So it'll be really interesting because I know when I saw Jimenez in 2019, he probably hit one of the furthest home runs I've ever seen at Kauffman Stadium. So not saying I want that this series, but I'm just saying, like, um, you know, there's an impressive group. And I think um, – the pitching will have their hands full, I think, for the Royals. And then that will be really interesting to see how they react um, on the pitching end because that's been kind of their Achilles heel all all year long. Yeah. Yeah, you'll go through, I think, Dylan Cease and Lucas Giolito. And I'm pretty sure you at least faced those two. I can't remember what end we're at for the other. But, yeah, yeah. Tim Anderson, you guys seem to have a, a bit of a history with Tim Anderson. Yeah, I know. Right? <laughs> yeah, just with Brad Keller and Tim Anderson, you know, just with that – whole like uh beef and then you know and it's weird because the royals and white Sox do have a lot of weird history you know you yeah. have like the tom gambo incidents where like the the father and son charged the field and you know you had some your ventura drama where um you know they they had gotten a fight i remember like samarja and somebody yeah. else were getting at it so it's like uh, uh, so it was uh, yeah i try to repress jeff samarja in my yes brain. yeah it was, yeah, it was a, it was an interesting era between the White Sox and the Royals. Though so it seems like it's cooled off, I'd say the last few years. Yeah, they're they're fun. Tim has grown up a little. <laughs> Not saying he was the only issue, but he has grown up a little. 
Uh, so what do you think your keys are for the Royals to take the series? Because I know you said pitching is going to have their hands full. So, you know, your keys are kind of the, the biggest threat right now that the Royals have against this White Sox team. Well, you know, I think what's really interesting is from an offensive end, they're, they're built like they're, they have a lot of the same flaws. They swing a lot. They chase a lot. If you look at O swing percentage, the White Sox and the Royals rank both near the bottom in terms of like, hey, the highest swings outside the strike zone. So I think that's going to be the key of the series. Who's going to be more disciplined in this series? You know, and, um, you know, are the, you know, the White Sox, they obviously have the power, um, but, you know, they're prone to swinging out of the zone. And same thing with the Royals. Royals have shown some improvement lately. And I think the White Sox have too. Um, you know, I think that's going to be big in terms of the pitching matchups because the Royals, they don't have a lot of pitchers who generate a lot of chases. You know, Zach Greinke is kind of more of a contact guy at this point of his career. Jordan Lyles eats innings and throws strikes, but he gives up a lot of home runs. And so that's 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 kind of going to be a challenge. And, you know, Brad Keller has been having a hard time finding the strike zone. And Brady Singer, when he's on, he's great, but he hasn't been on very much this year. And so um, and then I don't even know what they're doing with the five spot, because since Chris Bush got hurt, they've kind of been doing a little rotating thing with Ryan Yarborough in some kind of capacity. Um, so I guess that's going to be my key is like who's who's going to like who's going to be chasing more. And I guarantee you that whoever it's chasing less is probably going to be the one that's winning this series at the end of the day. Yeah, we are. Got, well, I think our number one chaser, it was just announced today that Luis Robert Jr. is doing a rehab stint because oh. he's been playing really injured. And I feel like he just chases some of the worst pitches. So maybe there's hope. <laughs> no, I know. It's, it feels that way with a lot of our guys, too. So it's more of a collective effort like in Kansas City's end. So. Yeah, speaking of hope, can you give White Sox fans some more hope about Andrew Benatendi? Because I feel like he's been really hot and cold. And I think fans here just have a lot of mixed feelings about him because I think they hated him for so long that maybe they don't see his value. You know, with Benny, um, you know, I was a fan of Benny here. Um, I think the power is going to come around at some point. And, and I and I know that he had showed some power his first year in Kansas City in 2021. And then it seemed he kind of like abandoned that approach for more a high contact line drive approach, which, you know, helped him hit 300. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I feel like a lot of times when I'm seeing him, he's still like almost like he's trying to hit at Kaufman and not at his field. And I think once he gets into his groove and starts to tap into that home run power again, I think you'll see his value go up a lot. I think, you know, defensively, I think he's solid. Um, you know, he won a gold glove in 2021. Mm-hmm. It seems like he's staying healthy now. You know, that was a big issue in Boston. Um, in Kansas City, he had a small stretch where he was hurt in 2021, but he stayed healthy for the Royals in 2022. And then he went to the Yankees and then got hurt. Yeah. So, um, but it's, um, you know, like, but I, you know, I, I get it. I get like, you're like, when you're saying, hey, he's got the biggest, you know, deal in White Sox history and it's Andrew Benintendi. Like, I know it, it's like, hey, like, this sounds kind of weird. But, you know, I do think he's a consistent – and he kind of gives a lot with the high chase and the high and, and the high strikeout tendencies of some of the hitters for the White Sox. I think he balances that out well. And once those high strikeout hitters kind of come through, you know, that was one of the things, and I don't have the stats, but it seemed like Benintendi was a very strong RBI machine when he was in Kansas City. And I think once you see more yeah. consistency from other players in the lineup, I think you'll see that's where Benintendi will shine a lot more. I personally like him. I don't have any issues with him. Uh, he had a phenomenal game the other night. He 
stole a very big, very important home run with just this incredible catch. Like it looked like he was like floating. And then he also scored the, you know, walk-off run for the White Sox to actually finally win a series. So I have hope for him. But yeah, some people are just very iffy on him. Yeah. Well, it's it's May. There's it's early May. There's still there's still a lot of time here. So. <laughs> a lot of people um, refuse to acknowledge. Hey, it's May. Maybe pump the brakes. Exactly. You know, it's all doom and gloom when your team's down bad. Oh yeah, it's same here in Kansas City. <laughs> so. <laughs> so before I let you go, let's just talk kind of Major League Baseball in general because you do follow a lot of players. You follow a lot of teams. So your thoughts, kind of going through this season, like teams that you see going all the way or teams that might just kind of be a dark horse that we should be worried about or teams that you might predict are going to crash hard pretty soon. You know, I think, um, you know, I think the central division is going to be fascinating. And and I think we're, and I think, you know, as, as bad as it is for the White Sox and the Royals, you know, it, you know, even the twins who are obviously the best team right now, it doesn't, it does feel like, Hey, they're one injury away like one Byron Buxton tree away from like yeah. you know kind of sneaking back to the middle of the pack. The Guardians have not been very impressive, you know, you know, this year. The Tigers, it feels like they're overperforming. Mm-hmm. Like you look at their roster every day, you look at the fact they're pitching rotation and they're still like, well, they're still winning games, but you feel it's very fluky. Um, so I think the Central is going to be a really wild race. I wouldn't be surprised if the White Sox are the ones in first place in September, just because um, I think it's 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 so it's just so crazy. And, you know, I think it's just we've, we're seeing so many injuries, and especially mm-hmm. on a pitching end. And I know that we don't have all the data, but it's like at least we're seeing some correlation that with this new pitch clock, it's it's having an effect on some pitchers. And, and we're seeing a lot of pitchers who are expected to be really big contributors, and they're on the IL, and some for like the whole year. And mm-hmm. uh, and so I think that's good. I think that's going to be really interesting to keep watch of because, um, you know, it's like pitchers, they're such a valuable, you know, assets to teams these days and they were paid so much and is that gonna what's that gonna do for the future of pitchers and for these teams that like hey i'm not gonna like my our pitchers are gonna get more prone to hurt like i'm not gonna pay that justin verlander money anymore or that max scherzer money anymore because and like you know verlander's only made one start this year you know and that's and you know that's uh i mean it's a shame because he's so so fun to watch but you know, it's just a concern that I've been seeing, and I'm just I'm curious to see what's going to happen um, for other teams, and and I think that's just going to be the big thing is who has the depth to get through this. Yeah, I was watching that Mets Tigers game the other night, and it was you know he it felt like he was just welcomed back with open arms because you know Detroit loves him. Detroit loves to kind of hang on to these people that are no longer and have been away forever, right. um, but. It was like he was welcomed with open arms, and then, boom, two back-to-back home runs out of just nowhere, and then they they couldn't get past that. They ended up sweeping the Mets in that doubleheader, so it's been a jarring to see. Yeah, I know, for sure. Yeah. Do you have any, like, dark horse teams, and, you know, even just outside of the Central? Because, again, like, the Orioles have been really hot. The Pirates have been really hot. No know what's going on in the world <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, I think you know one of the teams I, I really like I mean I, I really like the Diamondbacks I think just having I think the Diamondbacks are the case example of like this is what happens when you have depth and then mm-hmm. and when you have depth and you build and you kind of draft well and stock talent 
This is what happens. And I think we're um, another team that I feel is very fascinating too is the Miami Marlins. Um, you know, I, I kind of looked into them and thinking they were going to kind of be on the Royals level. It was like, I'm not sure what they're, what they're doing necessarily. And, you know, they've made some shrewd moves, you know, like Luis Arias is, was a great move and, you know, mm-hmm. they, and they've really weathered that storm with adding pitching depth and getting AJ puck for JJ Bidet and kind of, kind of saying, Hey, this is a guy we really don't need. And let's grab a, a kind of high upside arm and they've weathered that storm. And so, um, the, you know, and I, and I feel like the East is, is kind of iffy too. Like, I mean, I'm not sure what, with the Mets getting hit by injury after injury, um, you know, and Atlanta is Atlanta, but you know, after that it's, you know, the Phillies don't look the same and, mm-hmm. and obviously the nationals are the nationals. So it's like, could Miami be this year's Baltimore? It feels a lot like that. And yeah. it's, and so that's why I kind of like them as well in that division. And the Mets are, or not the Mets, the Yankees are in last. Yes. In their division, yeah. which it's just, it's a wild start to baseball for sure. Absolutely. I mean, it seems like, everything is affected like these new rules they're having an effect and mm-hmm. some good and some not so good. Yeah. I'm in favor of the pitch clock, but I have noticed that some guys are just still really trying to work with it and yeah. can't quite yeah. grasp it. I know, especially in relief pitching, that's where I kind of see it the most is the relievers that come in, but yeah, I, I love it as a fan and, you know, mm-hmm. as um you know, I work in education, so obviously, like, hey, I have to go to, to school and things like that. And, and so, like, going to a Wednesday night game, I was at the Royals-Orioles game, and it clocked in at an hour 59. Like, that is wonderful. Like, I can go to a game, it's out, I can get home at a decent hour and go to bed at a decent hour. Like, that's, um, to me, I'm all for that. And it doesn't feel like anything is watered down. It doesn't feel like I'm getting less baseball. So, I, I'm a big fan of the pitch clock. Yeah, I I think it'll really be noticeable. The White Sox will be on the West Coast coming up pretty soon. And I have a lot of coverage for those games. So <laughs> we're going to see how much I really love that pitch clock after, you know, I'm up until 2 a.m. writing articles. So Exactly. That, that, that We just had an Angels series and it was, you know, when they're starting at 9 p.m., you're just like, thank God for this pitch clock because otherwise it'd be like a midnight or one o'clock. <laughs> so. Brutal. All right. Well, Kevin, thank you so much. Here's your chance to kind of plug yourself. I know we've mentioned what you're working on, but, you know, plug it again, plug your socials where everybody can find you. Awesome. Yeah. So you can find me on Twitter at Royal Report Kev. So capital R, capital R, capital K. Um, again, you can find my Royals work at the Royals Reporter dot com. And, uh, and you can also find my fantasy baseball work with the going deep section, as well as the batter's box section at pitcherlist.com. And so those are um, some of the places where you can find my work. And um, we'll probably when school ends, I'll probably be contributing even more because I won't be having to deal with students all day. So. <laughs> <laughs> Understandable. All right. Well, again, thank you so much for coming on. Best of luck to you in this series. Awesome. Thanks. And I look forward to a fun series. Somebody's got to win. So. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> 